0: Welcome to Best Girl Grip, the podcast that celebrates the women behind the scenes of the British film industry. I'm your host, Nicole Davis. Hello, podpals, and welcome to another episode of Best Girl Grip. I hope wherever you are, you're safe and dry and cosy. I have to admit, I quite like it when it rains because it makes staying inside feel like a haven. It's also perfect weather for a movie session, and I'm really excited to be delving into the London Film Festivals programme, which is mostly running online this year. Some hotly anticipated highlights for me include Garrett Bradley's documentary Time, herself, directed by Phyllida Lloyd, and Chloe Zhao's Nomadland, starring Frances McDormand. But back to Podland. This week, my guest is Sophie O'Neill, a costume designer whose credits include Clio Barnard's upcoming film, Ali and Ava, costume supervising on British indie films like Jawbone, Iona and The Selfish Giant, and costume buying for the likes of Everest and the TV series, The Last Panthers. Don't worry, if you're wondering what all of those different roles mean, we break it down. We also talk about how she finds inspiration, where she looks for costumes and what happens to them after a production wraps, how getting an agent has changed her career, if at all, and what her favourite part of the job is. This episode was recorded pre-lockdown if you're wondering why we sound particularly cheery and there's no mention of the Rona. I hope it provides some welcome respite in what are increasingly chaotic times. This is episode 65 of Best
1: Girl Grip. off with uh, where you went to university if you did and what you studied. So I went to the London College of Fashion um, and that was in graduated in 2012 and I did a BA in costume design for performance and then prior to that I did an art foundation at Wimbledon College of Art and that was specialising in costume, uh, sorry theatre design Mm -hmm. so it was sort of leading me in the right direction but I think I knew that my passion was for costume already So I was quite keen to get started with that.
0: And how did you discover that that was something that you wanted to do and that that was a career that existed?
1: It was probably through a few different things. I think my dad was really interested in theatre and he got chatting to someone once who was the friend of a costume designer. And I think before that, I'd never realised that it was a possible career path. And then I was very into kind of fashion, but I didn't necessarily see myself as becoming a fashion designer and I was quite into I was quite into drama as well but I didn't like acting mm. so I think it was just a kind of an accumulation of things and then by the time I was about 15 I'd somehow discovered that it was <laughs> a possible career option I think I did a lot of research and I realized you could do a degree in it and I found that really exciting mm. so yeah I don't know exactly the moment that I realized it was a career path but I was very happy when I did.
0: Yeah, bit by bit, it kind of <laughs> yeah, exactly. came to realization. And after graduating, what was your first
1: uh, like official job? Was it in costume design? So I did during my degree. I did two kind of work placements that were both trainee positions, and then and they were both in film. So that was really good because it just gave me kind of a bit of an insight into how things worked and actually being on a film set. And then I think I was lucky because they led me into jobs when I graduated just because I'd gotten along well with the designers but my first proper job in film when I graduated was working on The Selfish Giant so Clio Barnard's film. That's exciting. (laughs) Um, Yeah it was so exciting I think looking back on it it was it still is 100% my favourite job I've ever worked on. (laughs) Why? Um, Well it was my first time working on an art house film and I think it was just a really incredible experience I think we were on location in Bradford. Um, we were working with these kind of incredibly talented first-time actors mm. who hadn't done it before, and they were from the area, and it just felt like a very kind of special experience, really. And I think I was technically the costume supervisor on that job, but it was really just me and the costume designer, Matt Price, in, in that department. We had a couple of trainees who came in, but it, they were kind of on work placements, so not for the length of the job. So I kind of got this crazy overview of lots of different things. I got to help him with prep and I got to really kind of be part of the whole journey. And it just felt very special. And I think working with Clio as well, who was just amazing, it was kind of a different world because the locations were something that I hadn't ever experienced before. We were working in these kind of scrapyards and these kind of crazy industrial landscapes. And it just, was a kind of strange beauty in it. I think it it just felt very magical to kind of see things unfold in a way that I hadn't before. And I think I definitely fell in love with filmmaking Mm. during that job in a way that I hadn't really expected. So it was definitely kind of a special experience for me. It's definitely something I look back on and kind of keep with me in a way. And so did
0: working on um, Chloe's film just now, Ali and Ava, you just completed her latest feature which I think is also set in Bradford so did yes, that yes. feel like a bit of a nice kind of joining of the dots moment where you'd gone through this yeah experience of climbing the ladder and
1: doing her film yeah. again but as a costume designer proper. I think it was very kind of unexpected really because I'd just finished a long job as an assistant Mm -hmm. and I took the summer off because I finished in May or June and I went away and had some time by myself just to completely relax and then when I got back I had the call from one of the producers inviting me for an interview but it wasn't something that I had sought out it was something that just happened Mm -hmm. Um, but I felt so ready for it (laughs) it was so it was kind of it was obviously amazing because I'd always spoken about The Selfish Giant to everybody that I worked with and said that was my favourite film and kind of, so in that sense it was incredibly special to have the opportunity to interview for one of Clio's films but yeah I suppose it was it was kind of that circular thing which is always amazing.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you mentioned there you were kind of costume supervising. Let's talk a little bit about all the different roles because I know you've occupied quite a few in your CV. Yes. Um, so you know, costume buyer, costume supervisor, assistant. Can you talk a little bit about the different maybe nuances and different responsibilities in those?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's so broad, and I think every job is different in a way because on a smaller job, so say for example, on Alien Ava. We didn't have a costume buyer. I didn't have an assistant designer. It's just the department's small because the filmer is is small. Mm -hmm. So it was just kind of me and a supervisor and a trainee and a costume standby. Um, But when you get into bigger budget films where there's a really big department, that's when the roles really kind of come into play more because there's not so much crossover. And I suppose... I have worked as a costume su- supervisor but more on kind of smaller budget things and as a costume supervisor you have to kind of have an eye on everything so a lot of what you're doing is to do with the budget the schedule you really have to look after the crew you have to think about the department you have to think about everything on a larger scale so say for example on, on a really big thing where you're setting up work rooms and dye rooms and you've got mm. kind of jewellery makers, you're thinking about all those logistics and planning and you work very closely with designers as a supervisor to kind of take a lot of that pressure away from them so that they can design. Working as a buyer is a very tough, fast-paced job. I loved it. Mm. I loved working as a buyer and I think you learn a lot through that because it's so much to do with sourcing things and working really closely with the designer and the assistant designers to make sure you have everything in place so if it's a job where you're making a lot of the costumes you're looking at all the fabrics the buttons the trimmings sometimes things that are more technical than that you've got things like leather so you really you really have to be very knowledgeable as a buyer you have to know a lot about where to get things from and some of it is just really fun so going out and sourcing those things can be really fun but you also have to have quite a wide network of contacts and you have to have a lot of fabric samples that are just j- just there with you in the office. So people come on board and they have a lot of stuff with them. But yeah, I mean, it's a fun job, but it's it's hard and you're doing a lot of sampling, a lot of sourcing. And again, every single job is different in that sense. As an assistant designer, I guess you're kind of working with the designer incredibly closely. So early stages, you're reading the script and you do a lot of research. You're kind of pulling references together. So it's quite similar to a designer in that sense. But then depending on the project, you might be pulling costumes from costume houses. You might be... Looking at fabrics, sometimes shopping and sourcing as well if you don't have a buyer, but if you do have a buyer, you're working very closely with them. And having meetings with the designers to select fabrics and make sure things are moving forward. Also outsourcing to people, so like milliners, glove makers, more on period productions, but you might have shoemaking, people that you have to kind of go and see On really large scale things, sometimes you might be working with people to manufacture glasses or something that's really obscure. So you have to start afresh on every project and think about what you need and make sure that you contact the right people and get the right people involved early on. And then also working with the workroom and managing their workload if it's something where you're making a lot of costumes. So you have to make sure they've got all the fabrics they need and everybody's on the same page. And... I think it's helping the designer manage their schedule as well and organising like meetings and fittings so it's it's so broad Mm, (laughs) there's lots and lots of things but then a lot of those things I suppose they relate more to something like a larger scale period production and depending on the job if you're working on something smaller it it varies and it changes so you, Mm. you have to be able to adapt I suppose.
0: And is it quite typical to sort of spend time doing all those different roles or was that just kind of something that you wanted to do to gain experience and did you feel like you benefited from that?
1: I don't know if it's typical to do all those roles. I know that for some people they they want to like pick one role and they just do that role. Mm. I think for me it- It just happened organically that I worked as a trainee on a couple of jobs and then I assisted a few jobs and then somebody offered me a job as a buyer and I thought it was something I'd be interested in Mm. so I did it and I really loved it so I just did that for a while but then I suppose maybe one of the same designers then offered me a job as an assistant because a lot of it's to do with your relationship Mm. with that designer and how you get along and I think there's always the room to change and move into a different area within your department as well Mm. but you just have to think about what's right for you because all of the roles vary there are different pressures i don't see a reason why you can't do more than one thing you know i do know people who do different roles within the costume department and i think you can move around as long as you understand them all Mm. and as long as you're kind of interested in that i don't see why that's a problem really
0: And you mentioned with costume, no, uh, the the buying role that, you know, a lot of knowledge was required and kind of, did you feel like you were accruing that gradually or do you ever doubt that you had that knowledge?
1: I think you definitely doubt that you have that knowledge. I remember my first job as a buyer was on a film called Everest and it was quite specific. It was quite technical because we were looking a lot of technical fabrics to make things like snowsuits. Yeah, and and like 90s era. And 90s stuff as well. So, but actually... I think once you let go of that fear of not knowing what you're doing because Mm. there's an element of that on every single job (laughs) because you always start and it's always new it's always a new set of challenges Mm. you know you just have to start with the research you have to I think as a buyer if you don't know already where to get something it's great if you do it's great if you already have those contacts but you just have to get out there and find out (laughs) and that's kind of the beauty of it is that it's quite challenging but As long as you embrace it and as long as you're ready for the challenge, it's fine. And I think on Everest, I was really lucky because I knew the designer and he he was just really helpful to kind of letting me find my way within it. But, yeah, I mean, it is hard. You don't always know the answer, though, but that's the same, I think, for everything. <laughs>
0: mm. And how does that research process come together for you, particularly as a designer now? Are you kind of putting together visual mood boards? And, like, how are you How are you doing that? You know, is there a special kind of
1: software? Or is it, you know, Pinterest? Or Yeah, I don't use a particular kind of software. I do use Pinterest, actually, just because I, I find it's quite a good way of kind of accruing... I just have private boards and mm. things that I put together and I find it's quite a good way of collecting references but I think when you start a job or when I start a job I just you start from scratch every time so I just get out there and try and find things that interest me and sometimes it's not an immediate thing so it's not necessarily that I start researching something and and I find loads and loads of references immediately I think that's great you know I'm there it's sometimes it's quite a hard process it's it's something you really have to search for and then you get some you find something and it just leads you down the it's kind of like a rabbit hole I suppose and then you're Mm -hmm. there but it evolves constantly as well and I think you just have to again approach it in a kind of organic way and see what happens
0: um, and speaking specifically to Ali and Ava, did that did that feel like a big step up? And you know, where did you begin with researching for that project? Because it's contemporary as well, which is you know an interesting um, divergence. Because I think people often consider costumes as like you know they have to be period, but obviously
1: yeah. a lot of films
0: are contemporary set, and you still have to do a lot of work in that regard.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it definitely felt like a step up because it was a step up. But I, as I said, I felt really ready for it. I'd worked with Clio before. And so I think I had an idea of how I imagined it to be from reading the script early on. I think I I sort of had a color palette in my mind and that did tally actually with what she wanted Mm -hmm. to do and with what Stefan, the production designer, wanted to do. So that was really good. And then I think it was just gathering together lots of visual references. I think I looked at a photographer called Martin Middlebrook who I came across and he had done some really beautiful kind of photographic essays around Bradford landscape and portraits and some other kind of photographers and that was a starting point but it was really about thinking about colour and even though it's not a period piece I suppose that doesn't really matter in a way I think obviously when you're doing something and it's period your research process is different because there's certain parameters that you're working within. But when you're doing something contemporary, you're still trying to create a world. So there's still a colour palette and there's still a lot to be thought about in terms of characters and details. And that's the beauty of it, really. I think sometimes with contemporary things, you still have to go on that journey, but maybe it's a little bit harder to find it in a way. Mm. I think definitely colour palette is a really big thing for me.
0: And how much does the process change once the actors come on board, and obviously you go through fittings because you might have designed the costumes and got a very um rigid idea in mind of how you want them to look, but then suddenly you dress them something like, "Oh, that's not working. you know do you have to retain a certain amount of sort of flexibility there?
1: I think you have to be really flexible, and it's not just you working as an individual; I think you're working with you're working within a group to kind of find the character. So it's very hard to design something before you know who that person is, and I think the fitting process is a process and having that input from the actors is so key to finding the character mm. I don't think you can i don't think you can do it in isolation I just don't think that's possible so on alien Ava, I think i had I had ideas definitely before I knew who some of the characters were, but I was quite lucky that that Adele and Claire, who are the two main characters. They were cast early on, so I actually knew who they were pretty much from when I started the job. And that really helped me because I think we had early fittings and it definitely informed my process. It's how people are going to wear the clothes as well. And I think I'm sort of pulling things together. So on Ali and Ava, I, I did a lot of kind of vintage shopping and charity shop shopping because I wanted everything to have had a life before and to feel kind of worn and Mm. alive in that sense and I think until you see those clothes on a person and until they kind of inhabit those clothes they don't really feel alive so it's that thing of I think Adil and Claire both had a real say in what they wore because they just informed everything through that fitting process and that's the beauty of it really is that it is changeable Mm. and it's not it's not just your ideas. I think that's the starting point in a way, and then you have to let it evolve.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Especially because, well, like, if like you think about getting dressed on a day to day basis, like, I rarely decide on the outfit straight off the bat. You know, it's about trying something on and seeing what mood are in or seeing what's comfy. So it, it must be the same with characters as kind of like yeah. testing out different variables and seeing what you know makes that character who they are, kind of, in a way.
1: Yeah, and you're, you're kind of searching for something, so you're playing with things as well. So I think with um, Ali and Ava, a lot of it for me was about the details. So I think one of the first things that I found for Ava, for Claire's character, was um, jewellery. And that became a really key thing for me because that was the thread that ran through and it becomes something that you really feel is that person. Mm. But I think there are so many things. I think for me, it's finding options and then figuring out whether you believe in them in a way.
0: And you mentioned that, that you were influenced by a few photographers. How are you coming across those influences? You know, are you going to a library, going to exhibitions or are you stumbling upon them? I
1: don't really go to the library. I do a lot of online research. I think, like I said, I have got kind of research that I collect when I see something that I really love I try and put it to one side it might not be relevant at that moment but it might come up in the future Mm. but yeah a lot of online research and just digging (laughs) (laughs) just trying to find things I suppose I do go to exhibitions but to be completely honest when I'm working it's really hard to find the time to get out there and see Mm -hmm. things I think that's why the prep period is so important in terms of having that having that time to really kind of dive into something, because once you're filming, you just don't have any time. It's like, (laughs) it's just impossible to do anything like that. So it's just really digging for things.
0: Does it feel like a job of two halves in that you sort of, you have that lead in process where it can be like very creative and experimental and playful. And then obviously when you're in prep and then doing the shoot, it's still sort of, it's much more regimented and trying to get things done and get things done on time.
1: Yeah, I think it's always, it's always quite hard when you go from prep and especially at the very beginning of prep, you've kind of often got time on your hands to really think about things and consider things and you just have to utilise it. You have to get so ready and then it just disappears. But also it's not as simple or clear cut as always having, you know, sometimes we have late casting, sometimes actors, they might not get confirmed until the week before filming. So even though you've got all of this time suddenly you're in a position where you're doing the majority of your fittings in the last week <laughs> and that's so hard because you have to you have to try and keep that that openness that you have in the prep time mm. you have to sort of keep that in a way even though you also have to be ready <laughs> so it's it is really tough i think it never gets easier and sometimes prep is short you know on a really big budget films sometimes I've had six months or longer in prep which mm. is amazing but I think that's also not realistic on a smaller budget film on Alien and Ava, I think I had about five or six weeks and it does it does go incredibly fast but you just have to utilize every second that you get no it's a prep is always a lovely time I think that's my favorite time and I love the shoot as well but I think there's something about prep that is just when you're discovering everything that's really special so that being your favourite time, what is your favourite part of the job? Oh, that's a really tough question because there's so many things that I love about the job. I think it's just having little moments where things fall into place and sometimes it surprises you. So I think my favourite part of the job during prep is sometimes vintage sourcing and looking for things because I just love that discovery and I think you find so much inspiration in actual costumes and searching for things and then finding something that completely informs your design process. And I think my favourite time during filming is, it's just having those moments. It's so manic when you're filming and you just have hardly any time to really reflect on what you're doing sometimes. But I think having those moments where everything comes together, maybe you turn up on set one morning and it's really beautiful lighting and then the costumes really work that day and you think you're really happy with Mm. what you've done and everything around that slots into place so maybe the conversations that you had with the production designer and the colours are just really working together and I think those moments are really refreshing because there's not a lot of time when you're filming to really see your work and be able to just look at it and feel proud of it in a Mm. way
0: yeah to have the time to like step back and acknowledge that you're so probably concentrating
1: on the next thing and so they're few and far between because you're just rushing Mm. around trying to get things done but it's nice to have those moments
0: and speaking of vintage shopping are you doing that in london or are there any other hotspots that you kind
1: of travel around to that yeah that you know of that has like good finds lots of um markets so so portobello market spitalfields market Mm. I think when you work as a buyer, you develop a bit of a kind of contact list of people who sell at those markets. So you sort of know who's going to have good things for one period or who has really amazing fabrics. And you can also call people and go and see them at their home, which is really nice. Outside London, you know, there's other kind of larger markets. I always think when I was in Bradford, actually being up north, I found incredible things in charity shops. I always try and do charity shops first because I think it's really important. I think the film industry can be wasteful if you're not careful. But yeah, trying to, I think on Alien Ava in the end, we I set out with the intention of trying to do half of the budget in charity and vintage shops. And in the end, I think it was a third. But I think it was it was more than half up until when prep finished. And then I think in the rush to kind of get everything else done, it sort of slowly slips away because it's so much harder. I think when you're trying to prioritise shopping in charity shops and you run out of time, sometimes you just have to go to a shop and just buy what you need. And that's the difficult thing. That's the thing that you're trying to avoid. But sometimes it's unavoidable. And what happens to all the costumes afterwards? That just occurred to me it totally depends on the production but most of the time that stuff needs to go into storage and be held onto for mm. pickups and then it becomes the property of the production company and so it, it varies I know that sometimes you can have an arrangement on contemporary things where things will go back to charity which is really great but it just depends I think sometimes things get sold on but you kind of have to wave goodbye to things at the end of a job which is really hard also a lot of things are often hired as well we didn't do that so much on Alien Ava just Mm. because of the budget and because it didn't make sense for the period that it was but obviously on a lot of productions a lot of things are hired and they go back
0: and do you have like a mentor or someone that you go to for advice you know is there a support network within the costume design industry
1: I think it's definitely a supportive industry. I I wouldn't say I have one particular mentor or one particular person, but I think all of the costume designers that I've worked with have just been really generous and really encouraging and have helped me to be able to feel free if I'm working as a buyer or an assistant, just freedom to be able to benefit from that process and kind of be really involved. So I think you just learn so much from everybody you work with. Um and you couldn't do it without the sort of wider you know, I could never have designed Alien Ava if I didn't have an incredibly supportive costume department working with me and everybody works so hard within that. So I think in that sense it is it's an industry where you kind of have to you have to kind of work together and learn a lot from everybody you're with in that way.
0: And also you've signed with United Agents and I'm wondering how um, getting an agent that has changed your process or your day-to-day and what support they provide you.
1: Well, it's a very new thing. So I don't think it's changed. It's not changed anything dramatically day-to-day for me at the moment, but I think it's just really nice to have that extra support network in a way and somebody else who's taking an active interest in what I'm doing and I think also it for me it was about making a definite decision that I really wanted to design and kind of investing in that and deciding that I wanted to have somebody who was sort of supporting me through that in a way so yeah it's just nice to have the support and nice to have somebody taking a focused interest in what you're doing I suppose.
0: And have you always made a living from it? Has it always been the one thing that you, you know, you've managed to sustain yourself from it? Or
1: have you had to do like other roles as well? I haven't always made a living from it. I think there's such a long list of all the other things mm-hmm. that I did before I was a costume designer. Because I'd always had a job from probably the age of about 15. So I just had so many kind of Saturday jobs and part-time jobs. I think I worked in cafes. I worked as an inventory clerk for an estate agent. I worked as a gym ref- receptionists and hairdressers (laughs) so it was just a really wide range and then mainly I worked in pubs I worked in pubs for about six years Mm. and that was throughout my degree as well and I think the hardest thing for me was finishing my degree and deciding that I wasn't going to work in pubs anymore because I had to make that call I had I was getting to the point where it was turning down work because I couldn't get the time off work and so it had just become difficult and that that was hard I think I was quite poor for a couple of years (laughs) it's Mm. just leaving university and trying to trying to make your way in a creative industry is never going to be easy and I knew that but it sort of paid off in the end but Mm. I think yeah it's just not an easy thing to do. (laughs) (laughs) But
0: what's that like also now because I know you know you don't always have your next job like lined up straight afterwards you know is that quite an anxious period for you when you wrap on something or are you quite good at
1: like dealing with that limbo time? I try not to let it be an anxious period. I think now I've got to a point where I really appreciate and enjoy my time off in between jobs because I think when you're first in the industry, you just kind of want to work. You just want to be working all the time. And now I think I feel like when I finish a job, I want some headspace. I can't just jump straight into something else because it's a process and it's it's hard as well. You know, the hours are really long you're sometimes away from family away from friends so you really lose your routine while you're working and it's much harder to look after yourself in that sense so I don't think I don't I try not to let myself get anxious about whether or not there's another job around the corner and just actually enjoy the time off because most of the time there is another job around the corner (laughs) and you don't want to waste that time
0: particularly yeah for something that's so creative to have that yeah regeneration time or as you say like headspace yeah particularly
1: important exactly I usually try and do something go away and do something completely separate though because if Mm. I finish a job and go home I find it really hard to relax there's usually a week's period where I'm still on that kind of work mode energy level Mm. which makes it really difficult to just enjoy having time off in a funny way so trying to go away straight away helps.
0: And I'm also wondering with costume design, do you do you feel like you have an individual aesthetic or something that sets you apart, you know when you see something come together, that you've put your stamp onto it?
1: Yeah, I suppose everybody has an individual aesthetic, but I think I also like there to be a freedom within that for me because it's not something you can force. I think there's no kind of right or wrong way and sometimes because you're in a new situation every time and you've got completely different stimulus every time and it's sort of a, it's a different script, it's a different director, it's a different production designer. So you're not working in isolation in that sense. There is a kind of freedom to see every single job as a new opportunity to do something completely different so you might there might be the thread of the aesthetic of what you do that runs through that but I think what I really love about it is the freedom to do something completely new and not be too considered about it in a way
0: and presumably who you're working with as well like you're you know in tandem with the director but as you said like the production designer obviously that would change you know maybe your approach as
1: well yeah, I think so. And I think because you're trying to see it with fresh eyes and not not kind of come into it with baggage in a way, you just want to take everything on board. I think that's the beauty of it is that you get to kind of research and you get to, you get to be involved and you get to meet new people and obviously, obviously really interesting people who have to, maybe totally different opinions to the ones that you might have on something. So there is the opportunity to build something new and fresh every time has that ever been a difficulty you know like different opinions but also with costumes different taste
0: and like you know how do you back up when perhaps you're new to the industry saying you know I think this is gonna work like how do you stand up for something that you've selected
1: I think you just have to you have to kind of trust your instincts and you have to try and explain what it is that you think works or doesn't work but you also have to be able to listen and adapt in a way because it's not just you so there's so many there's so many different factors coming into play and it really helps to be able to respect and understand and also to respect and understand if somebody really doesn't think that it's right you know sometimes maybe the director might have a different idea in their head that you can't see or you don't understand so I think it's just about being very open but also being ready to to fight for something that you think is right
0: What do you think is the biggest misconception surrounding what a costume designer does or perhaps just, you know, working in the film industry
1: in general? There's different things. I think probably everybody always says that it's glamorous. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not glamorous. Lots of 4am starts and kind of working from a car park and that kind of thing. But maybe specifically to costume, I think probably that it's fashion or styling in some way because Mm. I think it's very different from being a stylist and fashion isn't always what's important it's not always the thing that's driving it in costume you know you might sometimes be able to create something really beautiful and stylish but that's not the aim really because it's so much more to do with telling a story and finding a character
0: it's just occurred to me as well like with the Oscars often the stuff that gets the awards recognition is sort of yeah those intricate stylish fashion costumes you know the favourite stuff that like Sandy Powell designs do you think there's a bit of injustice or you know a lack of understanding about what goes into making costumes for contemporary pieces
1: in a way no I think I I think there is the the opportunity for contemporary pieces to be recognised for costume 100% but then you can't really argue with the amount of work that goes into those period things Mm -hmm. or you know the really kind of creative things where you've got a workroom full of people working to make things from scratch because it's just a different it's just a different type of work in a way (laughs) so I think those I think those films just deserve that recognition and I think when you've worked on something and seen how many people put energy into those things you know jewellery makers people that die and break down people who are there kind of painting the costumes and making Mm -hmm. them look incredible. Mm. It's just different because I suppose on those bigger productions it's a completely different budget so obviously to some extent you try and adopt the similar things when you're working on something contemporary so you might be really trying to spend time breaking things down and making sure the tone of things is right, ageing things, distressing Mm. them but you're never going to have the same amount of time and the same amount of resources that you have on a really large-scale production.
0: And finally, uh, is there a film that you've seen recently that you think had particularly amazing costume design um, that you want to shout out to?
1: I loved Little Women because mm. I thought the costume designer was, was just beautiful in that. I really loved the colours in it. And I recently watched The Souvenir as well, and I just loved the general design in that. Mm. Um, Stefan, who was the production designer on Ali and Ava, worked on that too, and yeah I was kind of just blown away by how beautiful it was and I loved the colours so that was a I thought that was quite special.
0: Sophie thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Thank you for downloading this episode of Best Girl Grip. You can find all my previous episodes on iTunes, Spotify and Acast. If you're interested in costume design particularly, I recommend ferreting out my episodes with Grace Snell, who has worked on the souvenir Mogul Mowgli and I Hate Susie, and Ruka Johnson, who has worked on Rocks and Blue Story. I'll be back next Tuesday with a brand new episode. Until then, have a lovely week.